to get my eyeballs on so I can see y'all. Let's round them all up here. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Everybody loves fellowship time. I know I do. I'd love to get out more and say hi to you guys, but I'm usually in the booth, so wave at me when you see me, okay? Don't leave me alone. Um, so uh, today... <laughs> thank you. Somebody waved at me. Uh, <laughs> um, today, Pastor Ron asked me to to preach out of Mark 12, uh, 41 and 42. But before we get there, because it's been a little while since we've been in Mark and we've just kind of like missed a lot in the last couple of weeks due to just different things in general, we're just going to do a recap. So let's start with, uh, you can go to slide two. Uh, let's start with the the scene. I don't know if y'all can read up that over there, but let's do a little review about this. So in chapter 12, verse 1, all right, we start to see that Jesus was talking about a parable to a landowner who had a beloved vineyard, which was the church, and he leased it to the vine dressers, which were the scribes and the Pharisees. And the vine dressers killed and beat three of the slaves and the landowner sent of the slaves, and the landowner sent to get the produce from the vineyard. Finally, the landowner decided that he needed to send his son, thinking the son would get the greater respect, but they killed him too. The scribes and the Pharisees realized that the parable was against them, and they wanted Jesus arrested, but they didn't arrest him because they feared the people. So let's go to the next scene. So Mark chapter 12, verse 13 onward, here come the traps. If you remember the traps, there were three specific traps that Pastor Ron preached on. So trap number one, was the Pharisees and the Herodians. They don't give up, so now they're trying to chap Jesus in his talk. Who do we pay tax to? So hoping Jesus would say, you don't have to pay tax, which was a great accusation that they could bring against Jesus and call him, a, you know, a he was committing treason. Jesus says to them, give, th give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and listen to this, give, the, give to God the things that are of God's. So that's something we need to kind of park there as we keep moving forward. All right, second trap. Second trap was this one. The Sadducees questioned the resurrection with a parable of a woman married multiple times on the earth. And in the resurrections, in the resurrection, whose wife would she be? So Jesus takes apart the argument with the answer, do you not understand the scriptures or the power of God? That was very eye-opening when Ron preached it. But again, I'm not going to re-preach it. I'm just merely putting that back into the scene. Let's go to the next slide. So Mark 12, 28 through 34, trap number two continues. Then the scribes asked Jesus about the greatest commandment. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, the scribes were the professional scholars and lawyers, and they were the theologians of the religious system who specialized in the interpretation and application of the law of Moses. And Jesus told the scribe that he wasn't far from the kingdom of God. I remember in that particular moment when, I, when Ron was preaching that sermon, I remember thinking, how many of us, either we were at that teetering moment where we weren't far from the kingdom of God, but we still weren't there? And sometimes you have to go back and think about your Christian walk and your salvation moment. Because we take that for granted as we move forward. But you don't take time to kind of go back and think when you're talking to people and dealing with people, especially people that are out in the world. 
Because sometimes when you're dealing with people that are out in the world, you can almost see, you could look at them. Some of you, I mean, I see people and I go, wow, you could be something so amazing for the kingdom of God if you only. So when you're dealing with people who are, you know, super intelligent, you know, whether they're professors or lawyers or scholars of whatever, doctors and things of that nature, you know, know that God is using them in the context of the world that we live in. But also think about, like, when you're talking with people of that, you know, of that realm, you know, to just look and see what God can do and encourage in that area. And I encourage you to do that because, you know, sometimes when I meet people, I love to just share with them and share the gospel with them. But then I always pull out the nugget that God sees in them. Because you'll never know when you'll get that moment back. So it's always a good time to, to, use, uh, to use those moments as just what they are, evangelistic, as small as they might be or as large as they are. All right, let's go to the next scene. All right, let's continue here. So in Mark chapter 12, verse 38 through 40, Jesus calls to beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes like, the respectful like in the respectful greeting places and in the marketplaces and, and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Oh, yeah. And what do they do? Yeah, they devour, they plunder, they extort widows' houses for the appearance sake and pray long prayers and they will receive the greater condemnation. How many of you seen that? Yeah, I know. We've all seen that. And you can actually point them out. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Because then you know that those people are not close to the kingdom of God. So moving forward. So let's go to uh, Mark, 20, Mark 12, verse 41 through 44. So if you'll open up, I think I put it up there, but if you want to open up your Bibles and look at that too. So here's where we're going to start. So, Jesus in verse 40 says, well, let's go back a little bit. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and, respect, and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at the banquets and who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she put out of her poverty, put in all that she owned and all that she had to live on. Let's go to ver uh, slide number eight. So Jesus sits opposite the treasury. So the word opposite the treasury in the Greek means this, and I'm, I'm going to probably butcher this word, but it's ketanate, ketanate, ketanate. Okay, this word implies that Jesus literally sat over and against the treasury where the money was collected and watched every transaction. The scribes, and Pharise the scribes and Pharisees or Sadducees would have approached the offering box in the temple with exactly what they should put into it according to the law. So imagine for a minute that you're putting in your temple tax, which we'll get to in a minute, or your tithe or your offering, 
And Jesus is sitting there watching what you put in. You'll see in a minute. Let's go to the next one. So that was the problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes because Jesus had been pushing back on these three sects from the very beginning of chapter 12. And Jesus begins to expose their hearts on the tithes, the offerings, and the giving. But before we can look at all of that, we need to look at something that's really important. Let's look at Herod's temple. So let's go to the next slide. All right, so if you can see really carefully here, to the right, you'll see, well, let me go this way. You'll see um, where it says the court of the Gentiles. You see the court of the women there. And then you see the treasury. And you see where that gate says the beautiful gate? And, and the next slide, which don't, don't, don't go there yet, but it's a, you'll see the bigger scale model. So you have to pay attention to this. This is very important. Because this actually even goes back to when Jesus turned over the tables. Remember that? And he pulls out a whip and he, this is all happening right here in the temple so sometimes we think of it as just like oh it was an open marketplace area but when you get when you look at the bigger picture you're going to be like Ooh, now we can understand why they didn't like jesus so the court of the women is right there there's the treasury and then you see those little squares all around those are all the boxes that you had to put your money in and it was in an open court area so everybody saw what everybody did did you see what bradley did did you see what darina did believe me they were no different than us today so but just kind of take a look at that and you see those that little round circular thing there those were steps and you'll see another uh, version of it in a minute. Those were steps. Believe it or not, the Levites would come in before they actually went into the temple there where they would get past the court of the Israelites and then the court of the, I can't read that from, the court of the priests, and then they would start their journey. And if you look very closely to the left of that, what do you see in there? Do you see the cross? God laid it out even there. It's very interesting how he lays it all out there. Anyways, on the actual steps there, the Levites would stand there and they would sing and they would do all these. There was a lot of that going on while everything else is going on inside the treasury. It's kind of a little bit like now, right? Like here we got the singers and then we've got the people and then we've got everything else that's going on in between, it's really not too different, is it? That's kind of eye-opening for me. All right, let's go to the next slide. Let me get there, too. All right. So now you get to see the bigger picture here, right? So, yeah, this is all getting back to where we are with the widow's might, but I'm giving you a perspective. And so now when you see, you have to go through the golden gate to get into where you could get into the gate beautiful where we heard that before right i think some healing went on there and then then you get into that little area again which they don't really show you all the um elaborate like the last slide but you get to see a little bit of it as you continue to go in and then you get to see the bigger wall 
which was connected to the western wall. So when you see that western wall, that's where some of this was at at the time. It's not there now except that one piece that everybody goes to and prays at. So this is part of God's plan. That's the way he wanted it. He liked it. And Jesus would go in there and preach and teach. Hmm. Go to the next slide. So in Herod's temple, the name treasury was especially given to the court of women where the 13 trumpet boxes were. And that was where the reception and the offerings of the worshipers were put in. And Jesus, this is where he sees her, put in her two mites. It is a legitimate deduction that the court of women or the treasury was the ordinary scene of the Lord's ministry when teaching in the temple. So anytime you read scripture, now you have a little bit of a visual to remind yourself that, and Jesus went into the temple, boom, go there. No, go back one. Go back one. We're not there yet. I need to talk about this guy. So here's the box. <laughs> Ron had a box, so I thought I would do one for this week too. So here's a box. It's kind of goldenish, and it's got a fluted top. And this is where they would come and they would put their stuff in it. And there was 13 of them. Everybody got to see everything. Now, I don't think this will take quarters, will it? Okay, I think it only takes nickels and dimes and pennies. But um, you can only imagine that as they were putting their coinage into here or whatever they were doing, you can only imagine that you would start to hear the clink, 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 clink. Have you ever heard change when you hear, yeah, thank you. You know, when you hear the change going down, you know, you hear a certain clink. You hear a certain clink, clink, clunk, right? So you can also imagine that while they're there, just after a period of time of the normalcy of this, you start to recognize that, oh, they put in a little more than me because my chink, chink didn't sound as loud as his clunk, clunk. You see where I'm going with this? So there's a lot of that that's going on in here, and I don't think it made it all the way down, but okay, whatever. <laughs> you didn't get to hear it clunk in there. Um, it's just like in the old days when you, had, when you used to pay with silver dollars. If you ever watch an old movie and you hear them throw the silver dollars down, you hear a certain clunk. You know, and I have a couple of silver dollars at home, and let me tell you, when you drop them on a, on a, you know, a, a, a surface that's, going to give you some extra response and you hear this clunk, you're like, wow, that's a serious amount of silver that's in, you know, that's in that clunk. Or whenever you drop anything like that, you hear it. You get to hear that. So in the temple, this was another depiction. You can go to the next slide if you know. In the temple, this is another one of those pictures where I found this on the internet. I don't know exactly if this depiction is exactly, but it really spoke to me too because I thought, well, if they had 13 boxes, like who's in charge of them? Because then you could steal them or you could do whatever. So then it, I got to thinking, well, there might be a lot of fraud going on in the temple. Right? I mean, people do that, right? So it was just a very interesting point that I saw this depiction that the actual box itself is located into the wall. So you have to imagine that behind that wall right there, there has to be something where the collection can take place.
So either way, whether it's like a regular box-like thing, which I actually, you can look up online if you want to later what you know, these would look like. There are some, uh, uh, some uh, relics and things that they have found. It was quite interesting. But um, let's go to the next one. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute. So why did the people come to the temple and pay temple tax? Well, in the Old Testament, temple tax was required of Jewish males over the age of 20, and the money was used for the upkeep and the maintenance of the temple. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 14, you can read all about it. The temple tax was also collected during one of these feasts which or festivals, which was Passover, Pentecost, or Tabernacles. So if you didn't do it weekly, you need to save up your stuff, get to Jerusalem, and drop your cha-ching, 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 right? Okay. So why is that important? To know about that well let's keep going let's look at let's look at the elaborateness of some of this let's go let's look at a little bit of more opulence go to the next slide yeah thank you so this was another depiction that i found that was pretty good i i thought i was pretty excited to see this because it actually shows you all the candles and when you start paying attention to the feast when jesus says i'm the light of the world and he was outside of the temple and he was talking, and he says, I'm the light of the world, while they're lighting up these guys at the same time. That's just so cool to me that he was actually saying. So that's some of that that's going on. And then up on the top where you see that depiction, where you see the little people on the next section up, all of that is considered like for the women. Okay? So they get to be observers in there, and then... Um, we'll see another one that talks about like one of them was a chamber of oils if it wasn't on the previous one and you get to see all these little things so again you see where the stairs are and the Levites were singing and they would go in and do all these things as they went into that beautiful temple on the other side that definitely showed a redemption plan okay let's go to the next one all right, so another one. Here we go. Yeah, so then you get to see a little bit more of this and how that would look a little bit more without the, the actual just plane. You get to see it on the top and the height. That's very beautiful and very elaborate. I can understand why God said, y'all need to play temple tax because I got to take care of business here because y'all, I got a plan and y'all need to give to it to see it. It's interesting. Let's go to the next slide, Sarah. All right, this one here is pretty cool, too, because um, it doesn't give you, like, a two-level version of, like, that last one, but you can actually... This is actually from Jerusalem. When we were there, there was a model. This model here is set up where you can actually look at it. It's quite elaborate in, in its context and just everything that's set up, even down to the whole actual temple with the wall itself and what the Western Wall looked at. So there's a lot of context to a little bitty portion of scripture, right? So let's look over now to the Mark 12:42. So the widow, the widow, she puts in two copper coins. All right. I actually brought my mite. I have a mite. And I wear my mite. <laughs> And if you guys want to look at it later, you know, you can come up and take a peek at it. This is my mite. And I actually have a story to this mite, and if you don't mind, I'm going to share it. Yep, I'm going to go there. So this little mite was not on my radar when I was in Jerusalem. 
I actually, when I went to Jerusalem, I had this idea of something that I wanted that was very specific. I wanted to find a piece that was made out of silver that had all the stones of the ephod of the different tribes on and they sell those there and i had seen one many years ago a woman came from jerusalem and i saw i was i so admired it i said lord if i ever go one day i'm gonna buy something like that so when we went i had saved my money and i had said i'm not gonna buy any junk that's made in china that says it's from jerusalem i'm gonna buy stuff that's real so when i went there and i saw i was in a store believe it or not i actually haggled for it it was so much fun and I haggled it down and I bought my thing. And then I was at the kibbutz where we were staying. And this man came and he had a ton of wares of jewelry and stuff and things. And they were very beautiful. And I walked over and I looked at him and I was like, oh, I don't have enough money for this one. So I'm going to have to pass. Well, one of the people that we were with on the trip, she saw me and she was like, what do you think? And I was like, oh, this is so neat. And I said, but I, I, I'm not, I'm going to pass on it. Well, little did I know, her and her husband later behind my back <laughs> went and purchased it for me. And they gave it to me. And they said, we saw you admiring it, and we wanted you to have it. It was very special to me. But it is an actual mite that is, um, you know, they actually encased it inside of here. And if you look at the very top where you see the, the two sides of the mite, that's exactly what this looks like. And mites are very common to find in Jerusalem. If you do any excavations or any digs anywhere, without fail, you will find mites. So it just goes to show you how much money people had, which obviously wasn't much, is what I'm saying. But they were, the mite was quite well used. Like we use pennies, but it's even less than that. So today, the mite would be worth less than an eighth of cent so imagine that eighth of a cent on on a penny that's how little this is worth but you know what it was the common workers day wages that's pretty small isn't it in comparison to what you know we normally make today so let's go to the next slide so here we are Here's where she's at. Here's where she's dropping it in. She drops it, the two of them, blunk, blunk. And Jesus is sitting across from her. And it probably would some, look something very similar to this. I can't say for certain because I know there were tables in the temple and things of that sort too. But this is a pretty decent depiction of what it could have looked like at that time. So you see a picture of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who gave, but why did they give? They gave out of what? They gave out of their surplus. Exactly. You can go to the next slide real quick. They gave out of their surplus. It's no big deal. Chunk, I got it. Chunk, I got it. It's no big deal. Go back to 19 for me. But she gives out of everything she has literally and when you think about the fact that this widow here let me not get ahead of myself yeah let me get not okay um go to slide number 21 
Let me go here first. The Greek word for treasure or treasury is the word I'm going to so blow this. Gazophlakio. Okay, where there we go. All right. Which is derived from the Greek word of Gaza and Feluke, which means a place where something is guarded. A treasury, a place of deposit for public treasure. The treasury was kept in the temple as a sacred place in the courts. This is where the 13 chests of the fluted trumpet boxes were kept, and that's where the Jews would cast their offerings. But it was kept in a sacred place. Remember that. Sacred place. Next slide, please. So in the complete word study dictionary, there is a synonym for the word gazofaluka. I can't say that. All right, you know which one it was. All right. Um, and it means... It was a, there's a word in there that's a synonym for treasury, which means the sorrows, which is interesting, right? Because that's where we get at the thoroughs, the thoroughs from, which is from the noun. Look at this noun. Tithemai. Where does that sound familiar, right? Which means to put or set treasures or riches in. A treasure, anything that's laid up that stores or it is a store of wealth. Metaphorically speaking, of course, it could be of spiritual treasures pertaining to mind, things that you put into your mind, or things that you know are regarding your eternal life. But the treasury is a place where treasures are kept in a storehouse. All right, so let's park there for a minute. A storehouse. Where have we heard that word before? Let's go there. you don't mind, let's turn over in your Bibles to Malachi. Oh, here she goes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is what he says. Well, let's go back to 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows... And then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. You know, talking about tithing is always a really touchy subject for a lot of people. Most of you, I'm going to be preaching to the choir. So for those of you who do what you do, praise the Lord. Thank you for what you do. But there's many aspects to tithing besides, and when I say tithing, I'm not talking about tithing in the sense that you don't give. You're supposed to give. And God says, test me here. And then he's talking about, and give me 10%. Let's just start there. Just start there. Give me 10% of what you got. 
But when you tithe, the idea, in the, the idea of tithing, if you could go back to slide 19 again, that would be awesome. If you're tithing, you're tithing with intent to keep up the temple and the maintenance of it. That's why they had to do it along with other things, but that's why they had to do it. And I'm keeping this short because, oh my gosh, we could be here for hours. When I, when I started digging, I was like, Lord, let me just get to the point. Because I'm not afraid to talk about tithing. I'm not afraid to touch your wallet. And the reason I'm not afraid to touch your wallet is because of this one reason. If you're not giving to God and you're not at 10%, you have a spiritual condition that you need to contend with. It's just that simple. Again, I know I'm preaching to the choir on some of this, but again, I don't pay, I don't look at finances, so that's not my job. I don't know what y'all are doing. All I know is that the bills keep getting met. Praise God. We had a big thing come in, everything got met. Praise God. Okay, we are here by His grace alone. Praise God. How many churches during this season have shut down because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. Praise God. The doors have been open. There's been food in this house. There's been food in your house. All because most of all of you, and, and again, I'm not preaching to anyone in particular, but if I'm stepping on your toe, then take the pain. Because each one of us is a storehouse. You're a storehouse. And whatever you give to God, he sees it all. He saw the widow, right? Let's go back to uh, slide 23. He sees it all. Go to 25, please. I gave you the wrong one. He sees the poor widow's sacrifice. He sees your sacrifice. Now, when I'm talking sacrifices, I'm not talking about, oh, I came to the church and I did this and I did that. No. Those, should things, those things should be the given. If you come for prayer, that's part of your spiritual service. That's not about, oh, I sacrificed. Listen, when God is touching you in your wallet... He gave you what it takes to do what you do so that you can increase every day. And every time that you don't give, you're robbing yourself and God. And then let me, let me add one more to it because here's another step on your toe moment. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but there are people online that are listening to this that need to hear this. You're also robbing the opportunity of the gospel to go forward, not just within the four walls of the church. There should be so much more that we should be able to do. But limitations do abide, just like in your own budget, right? And I know we're inflation sky high. Let me, let me tell you something. When there was inflation sky high and things were going horrible, the children were flourishing in Goshen, when Egypt was in the mess it was in. They couldn't stand the fact that they lived in Goshen and they were flourishing during, the during all those times and plagues. None of that hit them. But they were doing what they had to do, right? That's why we should be doing what we do too. So it's a case of 
knowing that even your spiritual walk, when it comes to the what you make, whether you make a lot or a little, you need to be giving to God. He sees that too. And if you're not, even starting at the 10%, start where you can and work your way up. I'm not living off of your money and living on, you know, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't drive a Tesla. I don't live in the governor's town, whatever that place is up by where we live, which is million-dollar house. I don't, I'm not living there. This is about God, your heart, where you are, and he wants it all because he gave you what it takes to do it. Start there. Start at 10%. Test a minute. See what that's like for you if you haven't done that already. Give till it hurts a little bit. Let me tell you something. I, hmm, I could go on and on with stories. Let me just say this. This is the thing that really stuck to me. Go to slide 26. Listen to this. The widow's might is going to be immortalized. It is immortalized in scripture for time immemorial. Two little mites. And she is forever. What are your mites saying about you? Yeah, amen. What are your mites saying about you? Whatever your pennies, dimes, nickels, quarters, millions, thousands, millions, whatever. What are they saying about you? That's where the key is to all of this when it comes to tithing. It's all about the attitude of your heart. The attitude of your heart when you go back to the beginning of chapter 12, you see that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they knew, we all knew who they were by their actions, and their hearts were always in the wrong place. They were only focusing on the letter of the law, and they often missed God's heart. Faith that gives is a widow's sacrifice. She loved God enough to give all that she had. Her heart was in the right place, and her sacrifice, listen to this, became the voice of active faith. Do you have a voice of active faith to believe that God can rub two nickels together? Remember that sermon that I gave you all two nickels and you rub them together and you could say, I can never tell God you don't have two nickels to rub. I gave them to you. They came out of my pocket to give to you. I wanted to make sure you had two nickels to rub together. So you could never say that again because her sacrifice is the voice of active faith that says that she chooses to believe that what? That God is going to supply all her needs. And he'll supply yours. Okay, so here's the question. What does your storehouse say about you? You can go to the next slide. There we go. What does your storehouse say about you? So it's not a guilt, it's to encourage you. If your spiritual walk is not in a place where you're giving, you need to give, and you need to think about what she did. Ron told a story Wednesday night, so those of you who were here, I'm going to repeat it. For those who weren't and for those who are online, you know, when Ron was very sick, um, you know, bills, when you have cancer, bills just, they just pack. They just come in, and they come in hard and heavy. And it's just, so, it's so overwhelming, in fact, that you, sometimes you can just look at the stack, and, and, and you're like, oh, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't, I can't do anything. 
I'm doing what I can. And the bills pile up and the bills pile up. But God. So we were down to literally, and this is not an exaggeration, we were down to literally the last $2 that we had. And we were in our church service. And our church service at the time, <laughs> you would have to come forward <laughs> and drop your cha-ching. <laughs> okay? And you would put it in the offering box. And you would give. So we looked at each other and... Um, I don't know if Linda was with us. She was very little. She may have been in the children's ministry at that time. I'm not sure. But it was Jesse and then myself and Ron. And we got up. And we looked at each other and we said, Yep, we're going to give these last $2. We're trusting you, God. We never told anybody about our financial woes. They already knew it. It was rough. And um, so Laurent looked at me, and we looked at Jesse, and we were like, yep, we're going to go down. So as a family, we walked down, and we put our $2 in, and we walked back to our seat. And when we walked back to our seat, Ron looked down at his Bible, and there was this sticking out of the top of his Bible like that. He was like, we sat down. He opens his Bible, I'm like, what's that? And he pulls it out, it's an envelope. He's like, we're looking around. And people knew what was going on at church. But we never told our woes to anybody. We just talked about, just pray for us. We just need prayer. I mean, if you can think of anything to pray, pray it, because we probably need it. It doesn't matter, because when you're in that condition, you need prayer for everything, right? So he opens it up. There were two crispy $100 bills. God can meet your need. You just got to be able to give all you got. So with that, let's just go ahead and pray.